Today's scripture reading is Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. It can be found on the front cover of your bulletin. The Baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Brenda. Oh, gracious Lord, let the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be acceptable to you. All right, so Aldridge's children's sermon was so, was so thorough that we can just go right into our final hymn. Is it? No? <clears throat> All right, just kidding. just kidding. To be or not to be? That is the question. How many are familiar with that phrase? Raise your hand. How many of you know who wrote it? Maybe a few less. Now, how many know what play that was from? Even a few less. All right. Charlie. <laughs> oh, Brenda. <laughs> who, who was the author of that? And what play was it from? Hamlet. Hamlet. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Charlie. Um, so William Shakespeare lived in England, was baptized in 1564, died in 1616, was a poet, dramatist, dramatist, and an actor, considered to be the greatest, greatest dramatist in, of all England. He wrote many plays, poems, and sonnets, and to be clear, I, I'm not an expert on Shakespeare, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I had to use the internet to get some information. Right? <clears throat> In the play, Hamlet was questioning whether it is better to be alive, to be, or dead, not to be. He compared death to sleep and considered the dreams that one may have while asleep. Now, if you're like me, you have, you have had nightmares or very disturbing dreams. Right? So Hamlet is there considering, well, if, if death is like sleep for an eternity, and I'm going to have all of these disturbing dreams, and we don't know what they are going to be, perhaps life is better, even though life has its own hardships, trials, and tribulations. And that would be better than enduring the unknown nightmares that you may have in sleep. 
So how is this soliloquy of William Shakespeare and Hamlet related to our scripture this morning? In John 14, 6, Jesus tells his disciples in the upper room, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This was also the time when Jesus gave us another sacrament, the Holy Communion. In our scripture today, we have Jesus going to the River Jordan to be baptized by John. And if you recall during Advent, we are called to remember the story of Mary going to stay with her cousin Elizabeth while both were pregnant. Elizabeth with John and Mary with Jesus. Elizabeth noted that John stirred within her as Mary approached, even from a distance. And Elizabeth understood this to be the Holy Spirit working within John. Earlier in chapter 3 of Matthew, we're told that John lived in the desert and he was announcing, change your hearts and lives. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. He was the one of whom Isaiah the prophet spoke when he said, the voice of one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make its path straight. So people from Jerusalem throughout Judea and all of the Jordan River Valley came to him. As they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. I baptize with water those who have changed... Oh, let me back up. As, he, as they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. I baptize with water those who have changed their, changed their hearts and minds. John also told the Pharisees and Sadducees that also came to be baptized. He said, the one who is coming after me is stronger than I am. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So John's mission was to proclaim the coming kingdom of God and to tell the people to prepare the way of the Lord. And he baptized those that confessed their sins and repented. As John was proclaiming and baptizing, Jesus approached him. And what did John say? I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me? And as Audrey said, you know, what did Jesus say? Allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. So after Jesus was baptized, heaven and earth, how heaven was opened up to him, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove, resting on him. A voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Now throughout the New Testament, we're told that Jesus was without sin. He was the sacrificial lamb, the perfect one. So why did Jesus have to be baptized? And Jesus told John that this is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. Still, that question has been posed by Christians 
since the early days of the Christian church. In Matthew 16, verse 16, Jesus tells his disciples, anyone who believes me and is baptized will be saved. In John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, it is not possible to enter God's kingdom. So what is baptism? The word baptism denotes the action of washing or plunging in water. It's Christian origin is primarily traced to Old Testament Jewish ritual purification. Is the act itself the actual removal of sin from one's life, as in removing dirt and sweat from working outside? If so, I think we should probably have baptism every week. Baptism is a sacrament as is Holy Communion. And within the United Methodist Church, the sacrament is administered by a priest ordained by the United Methodist Church. Baptism is a public act conducted in the presence of other believers. And even within our hymnal, there are four services of baptism, including one for the baptism for children and others who are unable to answer for themselves with parents or sponsors affirming the sacrament. But each of these services emphasize the following. Through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are joined within a community of believers, Christ's church, as we are here today. We are offered God's mighty acts of salvation, and according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, through Christ's death and resurrection, the power of sin and death were overcome, and we are set free to, again, be God's own people. With the acceptance of God's gift of salvation, we are given a new birth through water and the Spirit. And all of this is offered to us without price. However, within the services of baptism, there are renouncements we make and vows we take. We are called to renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, to reject the evil powers of this world, and to repent of our sin. We are called to accept the freedom and power God gives us to resist evil, injustice, and oppression. We are called to confess Jesus Christ as our Savior, putting our whole trust in His grace and promise to serve Him as our Lord in union with the church and to remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives in the world. So all that's kind of wrapped up into the, the baptism service that we, that we have when people are baptized. Even as a congregation, we affirm that. So our response during the order of baptism, either as one being baptized or as a member of the congregation, requires faith, which is both a gift from God and our response to God. 
And John Wesley viewed the sacrament, such as baptism, as an outward sign of inward grace and as a means whereby we receive the same. As stated in the United Methodist Church's Book of Resolutions, and I quote, Combining words, actions, and physical elements, sacraments are sign acts that both express and convey God's grace and love. United Methodists believe that these sign acts are special means of grace. God's presence in the sacraments is real, but it must be accepted by human faith if it is to transform human lives. The sacraments do not convey grace either magically or irrevocably, but they are powerful channels through which God has chosen to make grace available to us. According to John Peterson, who is a writer for the Bible Gateword, excuse me, the Bible Gateway blog, some of y'all may have gone to that website. He says there are seven reasons why baptism is important. One, Jesus modeled baptism as in our scripture lesson today. Two, Jesus commanded baptism in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Three, baptism is a public confession. In Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Four, baptism signifies a new name. In Galatians chapter 3, 26 through 29, So in Christ you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For, all, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 5. Baptism represents a new life. Romans 6. 1 through 11. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. 6. Baptism establishes a new identity. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In 7, baptism unifies the faith. In Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to be one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
As United Methodist, baptism can take many forms. At least three. To dunk or not to dunk? That is the question. Whether it is nobler in the eyes of God to be immersed, to be completely submerged, submitting your old self to God, and to be renewed by the water and the Spirit, or to be effused, to have water poured on your head, not once, not twice, but thrice, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, or to be aspersed, to be sprayed with water, as if the Spirit is present in the mist and the water vapor. Baptism. Death to life through Christ. Hamlet resolved his internal debate and chose life over death. Why? Because of the uncertainty of death. In baptism, we choose death of our sinful spirit to gain life, new God-given spiritual life. Someday when we experience the physical death, our new eternal spiritual life will begin when we enter the presence of God in that new Jerusalem and the city of gold. Jesus gave us his life, and with his death and resurrection, he defeated sin and spiritual death. Baptism, a sacrament, is a means of accepting that grace. To dunk or not to dunk is not the question. However, the answer is, the acceptance of Jesus as Savior, the repentance and rejection of sin, and the sharing of that message to all in the world. Let us hear God say of us, these are my children whom I dearly love, with whom I am well pleased. Amen.